What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Josh Evans IRL podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest. Love all of his content on social media. Uh, I've seen him everywhere. Honestly, Teen Nation, a uh, ton of different di- uh, publications, and, and you guys can go check out his content too. Andrew Coates, how you doing today, man? Hey, I'm great. I'm hanging out with my cat, Ozzy, who just made an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Mine's taking a nap in the background over here. So Awesome. Uh, no, things are great. I'm just... Um, Sort of quiet weekend before uh, heading off on a trip to Florida to attend uh, a couple of pals of mine and uh, uh, raise the bar uh, conference, Orlando, Florida, and then a couple of tool concerts if everything goes according to plan. So, hey, awesome. there you go, man. Awesome. You know, a little work, a little, a little fun, a little pleasure. It's a good way to, uh, to mix it in. Uh, well, you know, I wanted to have you on the podcast today. This whole podcast is about, you know, giving people simple advice that they can take away uh, almost immediately to be able to implement into their daily lives in order to see greater success, you know, in the future. And I think that you do a phenomenal job of delivering information to people that is, you know, simple and is effective. Right. And I feel like in the fitness industry, we've gotten so far away from the type of, I feel like there's a big divide in fitness. I should start with that. Right. There's people like yourself who give, you know, real advice that is effective and, and easy to implement into your lives. And, and really when you take five seconds to think about it is actually common sense. Right. And then there are the people that are, you know, essentially selling snake oil to people, you know, fit teas and waist trainers. And I'm sure in their own mind, you know, sometimes maybe those people are not as educated or they think that's what they should be doing. Right. But I, I'm very grateful that, you know, we have people like yourself. So, you know, my first question would be, you know, why do you think it's important to focus on the basics of health and fitness, especially when you're getting started in your own journey? You just conjured up so many different things when you're talking about all that. Um, oh, there's Ozzy coming across. <laughs> all good. I mean, the basics work. There, it's going to be kind of difficult to answer that without getting into some of the other things you alluded to and, and all the messaging that's out there. Yeah, feel I mean, free, um, though. Feel free. That's what this is about. This will probably be useful, um, you know, because if we're going to talk about things that will ultimately help people, it's important to help people decode what's out there. So you alluded to the kind of fit tea influencer stuff, and that stuff exists. It exists mm-hmm. because people want quick fixes and they want simple solutions to complex problems, and they want to be told uh, that if they do this one thing, then everything will will change for them. And I think a lot of those people they get fooled by it for a while. And what often ends up happening is they then realize, okay, well, this stuff isn't sustainable, but then there are people in the, in, in the fitness industry who often do social media. Well, there's a lot more depth in social media, but people who have resonant messaging. And I, and I like using examples like Dr. Spencer Dodolsky or Sohi Lee. I love him. Yeah. Jordan Sile are just a few. And these, these are really credible people, very big brands, who also happen to do social media really well and are accessible. And someone doing social media well can be a piece of the puzzle, but for the people who are looking for good information, looking a little bit deeper, there are people who do, they create great sound bites and great nuggets on social media. And if that stuff is evidence-based, super, but you look beyond it and is there anything else? Is there a, a credible YouTube channel? Is there a credible podcast? Those are very just basic level things or, Right. Is this person, you know, writing for, uh, you know, bigger fitness publications, or do they have otherwise a body of work and a track record that 
demonstrates uh, that there's a really great resource there. And I think for people who are looking for good information, that's a really good barometer of where to go deeper. And, you know, I don't know if most of your audience are um, enthusiasts, people looking for help, if there's fitness professionals in here. I, I certainly like to challenge fitness professionals to this. Complaining or, or the, the people, the bad actors, the bad faith actors who are out there who are sharing bad information, they're never going to go away. Those people yeah, that's will, will, will always exist. I mean, hence the name snake oil salesman. Most people have been around since, you know, we're getting your time really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the West, right. Uh, and, and they will continue to exist in whatever forum and vehicle uh, media allows them to. And, and media is very unlikely to ever truly police them or regulation, regulate them. And, and calling for regulation of them doesn't change stuff because they're not certified. I mean, we have, we have medical doctors like, Dr. Oz, and however many other ones who are out there, you know, sharing misinformation. So to be to be angry and mad about the, the misinformation solves nothing. Right. It's incumbent upon fitness professionals to go and create brand and media that's engaging, that, you know, has actionable, useful information, which again, was kind of what we're, you asked me about, and to tune out, but drown out the the bad faith actors who are sharing the bad information and for the enthusiast it becomes a commitment and a willingness to say you know to hell with these these simple fixes and and being lied to because people want to be lied to and it's just to wake up and say i am done with being lied to and then doing a little bit of work to find better information right and so i guess that circles back to why do i think the basic you know in the, the starting with the basics are important it's ultimately the, these will form the foundation, the building blocks of good lifestyle behaviors versus trying to, you know, do one thing extreme for three months with the intent to go, well, I really just want to go back to the couch and watch TV and eat what I want, but I'll be happy once I lose the weight. Those are lies. Those, those are bullshit that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, but we have to dress up the message of, consistent consistency and sustainability in a way that doesn't sound restrictive or scary or horrifying to the person who is struggling. People know, they know that they need to eat better. They know that if they lose weight, they will be healthier. And yes, we have a crazy tribe that tries to argue that and they, they tend to get, they take political correctness a little too far and they get kind of malicious and hateful and nasty. And, and that tribe isn't helping anyone. So tune those people out. Those people are, are, they're bullies under the guise of like progressive value systems, right? They're not the good guys. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, they're hateful. So once you, again, more bad faith actors. And, but once you get into the people who maybe on a fairly consistent basis are giving you things that motivation is overrated, but motivation can help sometimes depending on, you know, wh what your mindset is. If you're someone who is doing the best you can to eat well on a regular basis, but you have your challenges, you know, the weekends are a little bit tough, or you have some triggers in your evening where you sit down, you watch TV, and then the snacks come out, or you've got somebody in your household who's bringing that stuff in, who, whatever you make more of an effort is kind of pushing you to go back to, you know, snacking with them or drinking with them or whatever the hell the behavior is, because your healthy behavior is making them uncomfortable because it makes them confront something that they don't like about themselves. So you, you can't fix these things quickly and easily. 
So having, I guess, resources, things that are, are credible um, on a fairly consistent basis can be useful. And that's why sometimes as much as they may feel fluffy and superficial, um, you know, these short social media sound bites can be really useful. If you are a fitness professional who wants to help people, again, I'm a really big believer in develop things that are, go way beyond social media. I don't think it's enough, but you can utilize your social media to grow brand and reach, and you can use it on a fairly consistent basis to share things that, you know, maybe you think, oh, this is too simple. But for somebody, somebody's finding that they're, they're at that contemplative stage of change where they're ready. And maybe that's the nudge that they need. Maybe it's like my favorite comment on social media is, oh, I needed that today. And maybe it's someone who has been doing really well for a while. It's been struggling a bit, but that was just a piece of inspiration that helped them on that particular day. So, you know, as much as we can sometimes think that social media, well, it's toxic, it's negative, it's, it's this forum for bad faith actors and charlatans. But quietly, there's a lot of really good people using it to help people who are able to find it and plug into it. So I know that's a bigger picture answer to the question you asked, but I, I think it's all really important stuff to process. Right. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more with you, to be honest. You know, I feel like, and I feel the majority of people have heard this statement before, right? The only way to combat bad speech, right? Bad quote with, you know, air quotes around it uh, is with better speech, right? Like trying to trying to quiet yourself when you believe in these, you know, simple, ineffective approaches, just because somebody out there who's maybe more popular than you or has a bigger platform is, you know, again, trying to sell snake oil, like fit tees and waist trainers is not helping anybody. Right. And I, and part of it comes back to the relatability that you as the individual have through your messaging with the general population, people that are going through these, you know, very, what seem to, to us fitness professionals, simple struggles, but to them are very big hurdles that they're trying to overcome, right? You have a, you had a post the other day about, you know, eating vegetables. You were like, frozen vegetables are better than no vegetables, right? Fresh vegetables are better than, and then you went on and you're like, non-GMO, steroid-free, you know, like a pesticide-free vegetables are better than no vegetables. People really do think about this. Like, oh, well, if I can't have these, you know, organic, and people don't even really understand what organic means, Right if I don't have organic, well, then what's the point of eating it? I'm just poisoning my body. It's like, no, no, you're not right. Like my girlfriend and I eat frozen vegetables. That's our go-to because they're easy to store and they don't go bad. You know, if, and like you said, it's way better to eat frozen than to eat no vegetables, which is probably the alternative that we would have. And that's a quote that I captured from and always, I, this is something weird. Like people, plagiarism is a weird thing in our industry. Like people, yeah, that's the truth take other people's stuff off the internet, share it as their own. It's like credit someone. If it's a famous quote, fuck like credit, like it, it, it looks more credible and it's doesn't, it, you no harm, you know, yeah, it you no harm. It helps you, especially if you're sharing someone else's media. So that was a coaching Cody Hill, who I, it's a guy who I have on Facebook. And I saw this on Facebook and I'm like, Oh, that's really good. I'm going to take that, pop it into a Twitter format, share it, put his name on it, tag him. And you know, let it go. And something as simple as vegetables. Well, okay, people struggle with that. So people fundamentally know that they're supposed to eat more vegetables, right? You know, telling them that doesn't really help a lot. But then there is some confusing information in there. For example, people have the misconception that somehow frozen veg vegetables are not as good as fresh vegetables. Mm, honestly, you know, frozen fruit and vegetables, pretty healthy stuff. Generally speaking, it, you, they tend to be frozen at, you hear my cat scrambling around, um, 
it's frozen at like kind of their, their, their peak. And then, you know, they're, they're nutritious. So the idea that frozen vegetables wouldn't be nutritious is just fallacy. And then you mentioned organic food. Well, okay. People tend to get really tribal and really like emotional about this stuff, but there's no research or evidence to support the idea that organic food is somehow better for you. There, there may be a bit of an argument for something like maybe organic milk. I certainly like grass fed free ranged food probably is going to be a bit healthier. Uh, you know, wild caught salmon versus farmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. There's a better omega-3 profile. So like there's some nuances with specific foods, but as a broad category, organic is more of a, a moral label. And, and it's the sort of thing that makes people feel really good about themselves, but you're generally paying more money for organic food. So in terms of its health benefits, there just simply isn't resources to support that organic as a label is better for you. So you don't need it. And um, quite frankly, if there's that pressure, plus it's expensive. And of course, we're dealing with inflationary pressure right now on food, you know, crazy worldwide events to the point where, you know, maybe you get people into this idea that buying vegetables is really expensive. And I've always thought that this whole notion that junk food is cheaper than healthy food. That's also it's not, it's not, yeah, it's, it's, not. Like it's a narrative. It's something that people use to justify that, you know, the, the default setting of their behavior versus going out and eating healthier food, potatoes are really healthy. Oh, ooh, carbs, carbs, bad. Potatoes are the one of the, like literally the most filling food you can possibly right. eat. Fruit now, fruit nowadays, right? Fruit's like a hot topic. People are demonizing the shit out of fruit right now. Nutcase diet, uh, sorry, <laughs> dentist, right? And like mm-hmm. dentists are great when they're actually doing things that are within their scope. And, you know, you got some nutcase dentist who's saying that fruit is poison. I mean, I the industry got a field day out of that. And okay, we had a laugh, mm-hmm. but- you know, it's not, it's really not helping when we give these people more attention than they deserve. These people are crackpots and they're building their own empire, trying to attract the kind of minds that like this extreme nonsense. Fear-mongering, right? Fear-mongering yeah. always attracts attention, unfortunately. Fear-mongering always attracts attention. Uh, so what was I say about, yeah, fruits and, and this one. Okay, like you buy, go buy a bag of apples. Actually, that's pretty inexpensive. A bag of potatoes, pretty inexpensive. A lot of other health, yeah, sure. Lean meats, definitely not the cheapest stuff in the universe. But I mean, you go and buy, God, I'm here in Canada. You go buy a, like a, a burger combo with a fr- with fries and drink. You're talking at least eleven, you know, to thirteen dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Same here so, in the states now. You know, yeah. same here in the states. So this this idea that yeah, you can cherry pick examples of really cheap food and compare it against cherry picked examples of expensive healthy food. But again, these are always cherry-picked examples to fit someone's narrative. And then someone goes and complains about it on social media. Well, how are you helping? What's the solution? The solution would be to actually highlight all of the inexpensive options amongst healthy food that's out there. And we start doing that. You know, we're not going to reach everyone. Not everybody out there in the masses will pick up our message or, or wants to. A lot of people want to hear that, you know, heat therapy and cold therapy are great for you know, recovery. Okay. There's like a modicum of truth to that within a lot of overblown hype Uh, or massage guns. Cool. They feel great. Awesome. Like knock yourself out, do it. But again, that doesn't replace a great night's sleep and hydration and enough Mm -hmm. protein in your diet and, and smart training strategies and, and being nuanced and thoughtful about how you approach your training versus brutalizing your body. But people like, like extreme, they like sexy. They like, you know, what's this guy, the liver King, this this, oh yeah, just this roided character. out of it. Well, I don't know if he's on roids personally, but I would you would assume. 
right? right? This is one of these things where I don't like policing. Oh, you know who's on steroids, who's not? I don't care. There's certain telltale. You, know, you do whatever you want, but right? There are certain combinations of sheer muscularity and leanness that ain't natural. Okay, yeah. guy, there's no pretense that he's not. So we can we can dispense with even that notion, right? Um, you know, this is not like ooh, is that mixed martial arts fighter or is that baseball player because he hits a few more home runs on mm-hmm. on whatever? No, like this this guy screams it, right? And it that. We're wandering around, but let's have some fun here. This is um, looking for real estate, being able to stand out and branding around a nutritional concept, right? So you know, low carb, okay, that's ubiquitous keto. Uh, that's a part of that whole ideology. Intermittent fasting, okay, cool. That one's you know out there like Jason Fung, another doctor who shares, you know, he's a kidney specialist, right? He's a nephrologist because that's he's an expert on nutrition. He sort of grabbed that space and you get the doctor who wrote Wheat Belly. He's grabbed that space. And, you know, People there's like Mark a land that, it, what's that? People like Mark Hyman. But Mark Hyman is another great example of a, of a charlatan who's peddling nonsense. So there's been a land grab for a lot of these more relatable positions, things. I mean, the whole idea that carbs are bad and like more carbohydrates is what makes you fat. We know it's not scientifically accurate. But for the common person, it sounds appealing. The fact that wheat is the reason why everything is bad. It sounds appealing. It sounds logical, even though it's misinformation. So the land grab for all those concepts is kind of taken. So then we get into the really extreme stuff. We get carnivore dieting. Okay. Oh, let's cut out all plants, all fruit. And then, oh, a tribe forms around and they think, oh, this is wonderful. And in part, you have a small number of people who I know personally who find that their gastrointestinal issues, whether it be FODMAP stuff that they haven't figured out or complex other stuff, feels better when they're on carnivore diet, short-term feel better. Oh, must be great. They got this doctor, another doctor, a couple of doctors who peddle this stuff. So it must be fine. So, all right. So that extreme thing is now owned by the carnivore community and Sean Baker. And I, I can't remember the other guy's name. All right. So what else is left? Ooh, organ meat. Okay. So the liver King, he takes, he grabs onto that piece of land. Yeah, and Even just, more niche. And, and <laughs> yeah. I, I don't believe it like personal attacks or whatever, but you just look at video of this guy and he looks like he's, you could smell him from a mile away. Right. You just look at this guy. I'm like, <laughs> he looks terrible. Like what right. on earth is going on there? He's, he's a weird color. Mm. And, 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 you know, I, I know that I admit that's like, I'm having a bit of fun, but you just look at this guy and like, why would anybody even want to, to follow look this? Like- I don't, I don't know any, like I've had conversations with my clients about it and they've, you know, a couple of them have brought it up. I'm like, do you, I mean, like if that's a lifestyle that he's living, you know, and you truly believe that <laughs> mimicking his lifestyle is going to make you look like him. Do you want to look like him? Do you want to like, like you said, like you can kind of sense the aura of like, man, this I isn't healthy. Smell, I could smell <laughs> you know? through the internet on that guy. Um, and okay. And like, I'll, I'll move away from kind of that sort of disparaging remark, but it's just because the, the whole idea around it is complete nutbaggery. Right. And you get people like, Hey, this, if you guys have heard of the snake diet guy, he's literally local here in the Edmonton area. This I've met him in person. Absolute lunatic. Um, and he's peddling this whole idea of, okay, intermittent fasting is not enough. Now we got to do extreme fasting, dry fasting, drink the snake juice. And if you don't know who this guy is, like I'm almost don't want to tell you to go YouTube him. Just watch for like two minutes. He'll he'll sit in front of the camera. He's very silent. He's got a screwy look on his face, and he starts yelling and he's shouting and screaming. And he's done some pretty abhorrent things in person here in Edmonton. So we kind of know what what he's like. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just about identifying that people are looking for more and more extreme pieces of real estate, as all the prime real estate is owned and taken 
and people are looking to brand themselves and in any population, you're going to get crazy people. You're going to get extremists and lunatics and people who are self-aggrandizing narcissists or, or whatever these people are, right? It's, it's not fair to necessarily like slap labels on everybody, but sometimes a spade is a spade. And getting people to recognize that these are bad faith actors who are really out to, you know, promote themselves. And this stuff shows up in, in any political or social or anything that's going on. You're going to get people who will step into these spaces and it's more about their own brand and their own relevance and they never want the cause to go away. Like none of these, these people who purport these crazy dietary ideologies ever would ever want, you know, our society to stop being obese because they wouldn't be relevant anymore preaching, preaching the message about why their brand of lunacy, dietary extremism is the, the answer to all of society's problems. So just recognize that stuff for what it is and have a little bit of fun with it. But also there's no point in getting mad about it or because most normal people aren't going to get swayed by a lot of the crazy stuff. And they're going to be extremes no matter what. Like, doesn't matter how evidence-based and, and good the messaging is. And I think the scientific side of the universe in every regard struggles with messaging sometimes and they fuck up and they cause a lot of their own problems, both within and outside of the fitness industry. And so there's that. But it doesn't matter how good the messaging ever gets, there will always be people who will be drawn to conspiracy theory crazy type stuff so but i even think the social pressure of it though you know like i i find with a lot of my clients like they'll come to me and even though that they know like eating just meat necessarily might not be the most beneficial for them based on the conversations we have they're still like well do you think that i should do it right well what do you think about intermittent fasting i'm like well i mean it's an okay way of controlling your calorie intake but i wouldn't necessarily say it's the end all be all of whatever you're trying to do if you want to try it and it's going to help you control your calories and you understand the benefit of that. Sure. But I, I feel like there's still that societal and, and, you know, like friend pressure that we get of like, oh, well, I'm doing this. Right. So you should try it, too. There's a few things there. Uh, so let's talk about the, the pressure first. It Again, it, diets become ideologies. They become the religion of people. If you look in someone's bio and it says, you know, keto, it's literally in their name tag or, or their bio or intermittent fasting or paleo or something like this. And, and, I, and I know some, some pretty awesome people who sort of do this stuff, but then usually it's kind of a, tri it's a tribal signal, right? It's like, I belong to this tribe. It's like uh, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or, you know, I'm part of this brotherhood or whatever. Um, and, and people seek tribes. They want to belong to certain things. So some of the greatest evangelists are really just validating their own belief in something because keto isn't, evidence-based. And I, I have a client, I just put a post on social media. I have a client who likes keto-based dieting. And I know that client does struggle to adhere to you know it consistently, but it is the thing that once she found it, she lost a considerable amount of weight over time before she started doing her strength training with me. And I don't spend my time going, hey, this shit is stupid. You should stop doing it. I know how she works. It is at this point, probably the only thing that's going to keep her on track. I do try to make sure I hold a lot of trust in that relationship and then make sure that she understands why it works for her and what isn't true about it. So that way she understands that, you know, calories still matter. And this is just a framework that she works well within. Right. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of coaches just dive right into, Oh, this is stupid. This is bad. Don't do this stuff. It's like, mm, okay, there are going to be some clients who Intermittent fasting will suit them due to the nature of their work. They don't like eating breakfast, whatever. I don't care. Right. You have as to meet them as, where they're at. 
as long as they don't start talking to me about autophagy and all this shit that even they don't understand it's like oh no this is good for like growth hormone like no 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 like that that, that's that's not true (laughs) that's that's (laughs) somebody peddling nonsense to you but you also have to have the relationship to be able to tell people that so but the whole tribalist aspect um a quick thought and i like to always point this out to coaches if your client is coming to you asking about keto they're already doing keto okay someone in their world has got to them and they're trying it so that's not where you turn around and go, oh, keto stupid. That's where you go, okay, I'm really glad you're doing your research on this one. Let's see how this works for you. Um, I definitely want to make sure that, you know, we're safe doing this stuff. There are definitely a bunch of things that people often say about keto that isn't true, but here's how it works. And therefore, let's see if it actually fits your lifestyle. And you've built that trust with them. And then you could help shape the journey with it. And one of my clients did this a few years ago. And after two weeks, she's like, keto's bullshit. Okay, cool. And then that problem was solved and we, we moved on and, and we had a good relationship. So we figured out a, a more nuanced way to go about our nutrition. But also, you know, again, the people in your world, we almost have to be careful and set up boundaries around these people because they're pushing dietary ideologies to, again, I said this earlier, uh, reinforce their own belief in it and they're tribal and they are evangelizing it. So it's just like religion, like modern nutrition ideology functions very much like the way that religion traditionally does where people are trying to convert other people to the the worship of this dietary ideology and not everybody treats their nutrition this way but like i said you know you see you know things in bios you can tell someone is is definitely subscribing to that tribe for the individual who's trying to navigate this stuff okay you know as opposed to certainly us fittest professional saying all these things are dumb well here's the problem How's the default setting been working out, right? How, how's that going? Where, where's childhood obesity right now? How's the typical Western diet performing? It's not, right? And, and that gets into understanding the biological and psychological workings of, of the human body and mind to understand why when presented with an overabundance of high combinations of high fat, high salt, high sugar that didn't exist in our ancestral world, you know, that's engineered by companies to be consumed and marketed to be consumed why that is winning over, you know, our intuitive desire to eat, right? The whole idea that everybody should intuitively eat great end state, terrible concept in terms of like, right. Cause then they're just going to go for candy. They're like, well, I I'm hungry and I want a candy bar. So maybe I should just go eat that candy. Yeah, bar. My, like, well, my body is intuitively telling me to go have the chocolate <laughs> and the wine. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like, intuitive eating as a framework is the end state. We want everyone to be at. It is fucking fantastic. Being mindful. Like, day one, everybody should start with like mindfulness about what you're eating. Instead of just going, Ooh, I'm craving this and reaching for it. It should be, okay, let me pause. Let me take five minutes. Do I really want this? Am I actually hungry? Uh, or am I bored? And I'm and like, I just need some sort of stimulation. Or is there some sort of trigger? Did I just turn on the TV and I've associated for the last 10 years, sitting down and eating a bowl of popcorn with watching a movie, right? Identifying those kind of triggers is helpful. Um, it's way beyond the scope of this conversation, but like go follow Josh Hillis's stuff. If you want Love him. quick bites of Love crazy, him. actionable, good information. Fat Loss Happens on a Monday was like one of my favorite books when I was early in my career. You know? And you know, he's been writing, he's got a couple of really great books out there. The guy's been a coach for shit almost 30 years. I had him on my podcast. I've been waving his social media around. And he, he's really into a lot of like skills. Like it's it's instead of getting away doing these ideologies and these weird frameworks, it's just about developing specific skills to deal with certain things. So Go check out Josh Hillis and uh, and mess around with his stuff if you want to learn more about this. Um, I know I'm wandering far afield, but honestly, it's oh, opening up all these these useful 
points avenues for people. I, th- yeah. I think, and I think it's about having, you know, cause you had talked about earlier, right? Like instead of negating these things by saying like, Oh, keto's stupid, right? Keto's dumb. It doesn't work. Right. It gives us as trainers and op- or coaches an opportunity to have these open conversations with our clients. And like you said, like, well, it works for some people. So why does it work for them? Right. What are really the components of keto that actually work? And what are the components that maybe are fallacies, you know, for the majority of people who aren't, you know, really die hard into the keto world? Well, a lot of the time it, it doesn't work. Right. So let's let's sort of like let's go there. You know, it's I had a post recently and it's like, well, you say that keto works. Why did you stop? Why are you going back to it for the fourth time? Right. Why did you regain the weight? Oh, well, because, well, it wasn't sustainable. And, and this is a very basic thing is does your approach to nutrition allow you to stay lean and healthy, um, allow you to lose body fat if that is your goal, because losing body fat cannot be a permanent state. It's a temporary state in order to try to achieve an equilibrium. Or uh, was it a sustainable lifestyle behavior that you felt good about? Or was it something that created disordered eating, you know, thinking and behavior? And what we're seeing in a lot of our society right now, the answer to that stuff is no. And keto and a lot of these other dietary ideologies tend to function as, as fad diets and yo-yo diets. And so those things aren't working for people on the grand scheme. Keto helps people lose weight by a couple of major mechanisms. One, uh, and I think everybody kind of understands this, but the initial weight loss is water loss because if you're eating less carbs, there are less carbohydrates in your body. You're storing less carbohydrates in, in muscle cells, in liver cells. And for every like gram of carbs, there are three grams of water bonded to it that you need in your body. So the loss of the water weight, when you are consuming less carbohydrates, then there's less water in your body. The moment that you start eating carbohydrates again, the weight rebounds, which is why a lot of people get really discouraged about the, the fluctuations and they're drawn and they think, Ooh, I got to get back on keto again. Cause I'll lose the weight, but they're not losing a lot of body fat. Initially they're, they're losing water over time. If you've got someone who finds that keto suppresses their craving for certain foods, or if they're fairly sustainably successful and consistent on keto and the problem food for that person happens to be mostly carbohydrate based or carbs that are combined with high fat foods, therefore a high calorie diet and the removal of those things, because they're, they work okay within the rules of the dietary ideology then, and their calorie intake comes down to the point where they're in a deficit and then they're losing weight. Well, therefore keto work for them. And there are people out there who really do like that, that style of diet. I don't think there's as many as we would believe or they would have you believe, but they exist. So that is why it works. There is nothing about ketones. When I see people talk about ketones now, you don't understand how this stuff works at all. Uh, Exogenous ketones, that doesn't work. There's nothing. And even, even the fact of like getting into uh, ketosis as a whole, right. You know, like totally irrelevant, right? right? Most of the people who are doing keto aren't actually in ketosis. Right. They're just and the lo- things that throw the, if they were the things that would throw them out of ketosis aren't necessarily things that they you know would be, would initially believe did the uh, did the act of throwing them out right like vegetables can you know you get some cauliflower like protein. you can throw you out a protein too much, too much protein like a lot of people are on keto and like high they're high protein on keto no those two things don't exactly exist you're just on a low carb dietary ideology and they're cousins right like low carb and, and keto are just cousins right. and work larger in the same mechanism and it's really just about reducing calorie intake to where you're losing body fat that's it end of story right um and if it 
it's if you like that lifestyle and sustainable for you, great. Ketones has nothing to do with it. And then again, with the intermittent fasting, restricted eating windows. If you're someone who's literally eating too much calories across the entire day, but creating that restricted eating window allows you to eat in a calorie deficit because your goal is weight loss. Cool. Then that works. One of the dangers with intermittent fasting, like some of the other ones, is you've got now a pseudosciency way of dressing up disordered eating behavior. For some people, that stuff's fine. For other people, giving them those kind of rules and those kind of restrictions, you're creating binge behavior and you're just validating something that used to be socially unacceptable. So that's a goofy little thing too. So we have to be a bit careful about that one. Right. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, uh, you know, with what you said. And I think at the end of the day, right. And you've done a great job of, of laying this out to everybody who's going to listen to this episode is, you know, it's about your ability to adhere to your program, right. So your ability to be consistent with that adherence and be able to be flexible, you know, and not beat yourself up and, and, you know, shift your belief into this, you know, binging cycle that, you know, the majority of people, especially here in America, right. And I'm, I, I would assume in Canada as well, go through on, on, you know, a monthly or yearly basis. When it comes to strength training, I, I feel like it's relatively the same thing, right? People tend to focus on these very nuanced aspects or components of their workout. Well, you know, I, I need to, you know, I need to be using a barbell or I need to be using dumbbells. What you need to be doing is working out three to four days a week, right? Don't necessarily worry, you know, hit the foundational movement patterns, but don't necessarily worry about like what tempo you're doing, right? That's, you know, you're getting in the water for the, for the majority of general population. You know, so, so far down the list of shit that matters in mm. working out. And, um, I have seen this, um, I've, I've seen trainers who, again, it's, it's the land grab where, you know, people have created brand around certain training styles and, and ideologies. Okay, cool. And so there's not a lot left out there to basically like grab as your own. So I've seen trainers try to grab onto the idea that tempo is what matters most. And when, whenever someone's again, creating a, a, a training approach that's new, though, there's your, your red flag because the stuff that works tends to be the really proven stuff that's been around a really long time. I mean, another big one is like flowing, right? Flowing has become, you know, a, tre- a tremendous thing that people try to preach as, a, you know, their ideology and animal flow. And, you know, there are some really good people. My, my pal, if you want to learn about that stuff, go follow my pal Clifton Hersky or something. Like I love, yeah, I love him. Yeah. I, really I learned good. from Mike Fitch too. Great. You know? Yeah. And, and that stuff's fine. I, I mean, anything too much of anything I think is, is oversold getting people to move better. I mean, I think animal flow is really just comes from the same sort of umbrella of behavior as yoga. It's just a different way of, getting down on the ground, moving around mobility work under like body weight load. Mm -hmm. And honestly, if people feel good moving, great. Awesome. Do I think animal flow is better than resistance training? Sweet Jesus. No, it's not, but would it complement it potentially for a lot of people? Sure. It's not my cup of tea. You know, I'm a six foot two, 255 pound, you know, (laughs) (laughs) big guy. Let's say it's not my to see you do some scorpion reaches, man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, fuck, I can do Cossack squats and I, and I, for, for a taller lifter, I actually have a really deep barbell squat, but you know, animal flow stuff, it just, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't draw me in. I think yoga is wonderful stuff. I mean, I don't think it's a panacea to solve every problem either, but I think if most of our society started doing yoga or animal flow, honestly, the net benefit would be huge. And I, I, I think they're low injury risk behaviors too. Certainly better than couch sets, you know? Yeah. But this whole idea of, again, grabbing onto like yoga is, is ubiquitous. Animal flow is a little bit more niche, mm. but this idea of tempo, right? Like, and again, okay. Yeah. You, I'm not saying like how fast the, you move the bar 
you know, it doesn't matter. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. You want to control your eccentrics. You want to be fairly, fairly powerful with your concentric movements and you want to have control of that weight. But when someone turns around and saying, Ooh, slow tempo, tempo eccentrics is what matters more. It matters more than metabolic stress or, uh, you know, mechanical tension. Well, if you're artificially doing really, really slow tempo stuff, then while you may think you're getting more mechanical tension, you have to use lower load and your net mechanical tension is actually be like less. So no, like over-exaggeration on tempo outside of just basically controlling the weight is, is just fluff, right? So, but again, you're going to get people who are going to try to grab onto and own real estate in our space that someone else hasn't yet branded around. And it's usually a red flag at this point. If someone is grabbing onto real estate that hasn't otherwise been occupied, it's, it's kind of like, well, you know, it, it's like somewhere in a city, right? Well, the, the best land is all, someone already owns it. Somebody's already built something on it. So someone's out, you know, two hour away commute out somewhere and just saying, hey, you know, my my real estate here is the best thing for someone who's living in the downtown core. Come, come see me. It's now like, we got no. the metaverse, man. You're going to start buying real estate in the metaverse. You know? and, <laughs> and there is, there actually is something to it. I mean, that's way outside of my expertise, but people are going to be going for brand and metaphorical real estate in things like the metaverse. So again, way beyond my understanding and not something I'm focused on, right. but yeah, it's, and there's a rush there because there is a land grab and that's the best, any, any new social media, for sure. Um, a lot of more mature social media, like obviously Facebook or Instagram, it depends on how your organic reaches, but a lot of people have created very, very big dominant brands within those spaces. Whereas TikTok, TikTok still has land up for grab. You can go in there and say what you want, song and dance, kids stuff. That attitude won't help a fitness professional who could stand out in what may feel like a crowded space, but go out there and reach new eyes and create a lot of following. And as long as you're backing it up with other credible things, right? I mean, I'm not big into the fluff, but it, it, there is still real estate available on TikTok and something's eventually going to come along. You know, I don't know if things will really knock off Facebook anymore or Instagram, but yeah, I think they're here. To there's stay. always something new. Like Clubhouse was this like weird thing that fitness professionals are rushing into. I look at them like this. No, this seems really. I had the same feeling. I was like, man, now it's falling off the face of the earth, right? I feel yeah, like nobody's it, on Clubhouse. It's, it's, it's effectively dead, right? Like in mm. Snapchat, Snapchat is not a viable vehicle for brand growth as a social media thing, no matter how much Gary Vaynerchuk wants to push it. <laughs> but TikTok is, and so you can have a closed mind about it. And again, I'm not doing anything on TikTok because I just focus on Instagram. You know, people want to go find me, ask me questions, go there. That's, that's easiest. I can only do so much. I'd rather focus on my podcast and writing and coaching my clients than I go, Ooh, I'm going to blow up TikTok, but it's still a place where an emerging coach could create a bigger brand and reach more people um, go for it. Right. And there will be something else that comes along at some point that will reach critical mass and people will want to move over to it. It tends to be a bit of a generational thing too. Who knows? It might take 10 years or whatever, but you know, the, the kids coming up and again, it's not just kids on TikTok. It's popular, but the kids coming up, like, like, what is it? Like teenagers right now in early 20 somethings, they're not really on Facebook very much. No. And the, the, the teens now coming up, it's like Instagram and even Snapchat are the things that the older people had done. So they want their new thing where the older right. people aren't. Most viewed time now is on TikTok, not even YouTube anymore. What's that? I, the most viewing time is now on TikTok, not even YouTube. I'm not surprised by that. And me either. You know, I, I even get caught sometimes if people send me these like fun TikToks or reels on Instagram and they're, they're clever. They're fun to watch. The, the video quality is unbelievable. So 
I don't disparage social media as a vehicle to use. I don't think it should be your primary and only place you're getting any fitness information. I think you should vet the quality of the professionals that you are following. Mm -hmm. And if they back it up with a website with great articles, they're published on other things, they have a really good YouTube channel or they're speaking at conferences, they're educators, they've written a book, all these different metrics that really can stand someone out as, as, as credible in our industry, then their social media can also be a really good way to grab onto bite-sized daily pieces of mm-hmm. their information. And then you can go deeper when you're looking for more. So that really ties into my last question. I think you, you know, you did a great job of, you know, guiding me into this and I'd really like to have you elaborate a little bit more. Right. But what steps can, you know, general population people, normal people who aren't in the fitness industry, what can they, what steps can they take today to really find quality information? I mean, you already mentioned, you know, getting into seeing how, how people are on podcasts and YouTube channels and are they writing articles? Are they going to conferences? Right. But you know, what steps can these people take today who are mentally struggling to lose weight or get in shape, right. In order to find that seek quality coaches, seek quality information, right. If they don't have, you know, the necessarily resources to go out and get a coach, you know, what steps can they take to start making an impact in their lives for the, for a better future and better tomorrow? You're, you're listening to this, right? So, I mean, obviously we're speaking to anyone here. So anyone listening to this is already sort of plugged into this space. So what do they do? They, they take a look at your guest list, right? And all right. So check out those people, listen to those episodes and see whose messaging really resonates. And then you go and see where they are. You go check out their website, check out their social media. You see if that stuff is resonant for you. If there's something there. You go further down the rabbit hole. We mentioned Josh Hillis. You mentioned the book that he wrote with Dan John, Fat Loss Happens on Monday. And so, okay, cool. I can't endorse Josh enough in terms of like skills for dealing with, you know, life nutrition. He's wonderful. So start there. Uh, you know, you could get into Sohili stuff. You get into Jordan Syed stuff. You can get into Susan Niebergall's stuff. Spencer Nadolsky, you know, he's an actual medical doctor who talks he's an obesity specialist and he has very few people do social media better than spencer spencer's wonderful great memes right and it's looking at this community and then branching out from there who is sohi lee sharing on our social media who is spencer adolsky sharing on his social media who again are appearing on credible podcasts in the industry go look at danny lennon of sigma nutrition look at his podcast it's the classic evidence-based nutrition podcast it's the heavyweight and you look through the, the list of people. Now, some of them are PhDs and, and people who are very high level academics, and they may not have very much forward facing information that's going to help you, but some of the people on there will. And it, it becomes not being overwhelmed and, and probably picking a, a handful of people that you really like and trust and exploring their information more. Do they have articles? Search that name or look on their website and see what articles they've written on some of these concepts. And or search for certain concepts and see if some of the credible names come up in your searches and that once you start plugging into that world you'll start to see the same names coming up and and that should help you i think trying to find too many people and plug into too many different messages gets a bit overwhelming and then we just get caught in this search for information and we're not actually doing much to act on it so just just a couple of really good people can go a long way to helping you find a framework there is no perfect one size fits all solution to everybody's different goals for their health, their body, for fat loss, for muscle building. And if you're trying to find that perfect solution, you'll be paralyzed by the quest to learn it all and the process by analysis. You'll be paralyzed by trying to analyze all this information. So I would stay narrow in your scope and your search and find something that seems to align with you and someone who's got a great message 
and dive deep. And then as you gain more skill with that, you can then add pieces and ideas within it. Um, you know, just a couple other really great resources. Precision Nutrition puts out a ton of really great stuff. Renaissance mm-hmm. Periodization, Mike Isertel's team, they have books and tons of YouTube and articles, and they have a ton of resources that are really good. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. If someone has something very specific that you're looking for and struggling with, I always respond to everything people send me on Instagram. So message me there. Awesome. And what is your Instagram handle so people can find you? At Andrew Coates Fitness. So Andrew and then C-O-A-T-E-S and you got it. Awesome. And I, I really like to wrap it up with the fact that, you know, number one, I thank you for coming on the podcast and, and doing it on such short notice. You know, you've dropped some absolute dimes on us all. And at the end of the day, you, you said it perfectly, right? Find something that resonates with you that you're going to be able to adhere to, stick to consistently, right? And be flexible enough with your lifestyle so that you can see the results that you want to see long-term, right? Again, you said it best. People look for these quick fixes that don't necessarily turn into things that are going to help them beneficially in the long run, right? So stay consistent, adhere to what you're doing, keep your scope narrow, and, and you'll be able to see what you want. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, and I, I look forward to meeting you in the future someday. In our travels, my friend, I'm sure it will happen. Thanks, Josh. Oh, oh for sure. Thanks. Stay warm and uh, have fun and have fun in Florida, man. Thanks, brother. Bye. Bye. Thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for listening to the Josh Evans IRL podcast with my guest, Andrew Coates. Make sure you go check him out. Andrew Coates Fitness on Instagram. Absolute beast. One of the best resources that I have seen on social media for you to go and understand what you need to do in order to check out and make sure that you're getting results in your own fitness journey. If you like this podcast, make sure that you leave a rating, leave a review and subscribe anywhere that podcasts are heard and on YouTube. Thanks. Peace out guys.